Well, good morning. Today we have come to celebrate our rescue, right? Our rescue of sin and from sin and death through Jesus. So we spend a lot of time in our normal weeks actually talking about the cross and what the cross accomplishes for us and how Jesus' death is a significant event. But what we sometimes leave out of the gospel, not intentionally, I don't think, but is the good news of the resurrection, right? We seem to focus on the cross, and myself included, most of that time. But this morning, what I want us to understand is without the resurrection, the cross actually has little meaning. It's through the resurrection that the tragedy of the cross becomes victory through Christ's resurrection. It's through the resurrection that Jesus goes to the cross and is crucified, but it's through the resurrection that he becomes the king who will reign. And so today, as we celebrate the resurrection, I want us to see how the resurrection is the crucial ingredient of the gospel and that the resurrection actually has a significant impact on our lives. So as we go through, we're going to look at, hey, what do we know about the resurrection? What are the facts? What are the truths that we all know and some of you have been hearing for a very long time, um, what that means, what are the theological implications of the resurrection, and how does that change how we live? How, like in my daily life, what does the resurrection matter? Does it make a difference? And so we're going to look at those things together. And so first, we're just going to ask, hey, what do we know about the resurrection? And for us, and most of you here this morning, the truth is, we know a lot. Um, most of you know the basic rundown of the events. Um, some of you can give clear details of what happens on the morning of the resurrection. Many of you have been listening to Easter sermons since before I was even alive. Um, and so you know the story, you know what happens, um, which brings a little bit of a challenge, right, to how do we preach on Easter. Yes, we need to be reminded about the resurrection and that it's important, um, but I didn't want to just spend all of our time walking through the events of the resurrection, even though those are important events. Excuse me, you'll have to bear with me this morning. Uh, my voice disappeared on Friday, um, so good timing, right? So we're going to make it through. We're going to be fine. We're going to get there. Um, but just bear with me as we go through. But I would bet that if you're watching this or you're here this morning, even if you aren't a believer in Christ, you have a basic understanding of what happens on Easter Sunday morning, the main events of the story. But just to be sure that we're all on the same page and just to remind us, um, we're going to look briefly at the story from Luke chapter 24. Um, it's page 938 um, in the Bible in front of you, or you can turn there in your own Bible. Um, and so we're going to look at this really quick, just as a reminder of what we know from the resurrection morning. So it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. And so the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. 
Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And when he stopped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. And so he went away amazed at what had happened. And so this is the very beginning. The women go to the tomb to see, hey, we want to pay our last respects to Jesus. The stone is rolled away. The body is gone. People are like, two men are like, why are you looking for him? He's not here. He's obviously alive. Um, they didn't quite get that yet, but you guys are familiar with this part. They go tell the disciples. The disciples don't quite believe them, right? What's, we don't believe you. We're going to go check it out. They're still not sure what happened. Then we're going to skip down to verse 36. Um, in between that, in the book of Luke, it's where Jesus walks with the disciples on Emmaus and kind of talks to them and explains who he is to them and then opens their eyes so they can see who he really is. But then we're going to jump to verse 36. It says, as they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst, and he said to him, said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified, and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. And he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and in the prophets and Moses and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, and look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. And so eventually he shows up where the disciples are and presents himself to them, and even then they're still not convinced Right, but he says, look, I'll eat something to prove I'm not a ghost. I'll show you my hands and feet so you can see uh, what happened to me on the cross. And eventually they believe him, and then he gives them the mission to be witnesses to that. And so these are the, the basic truths, the basic story of the resurrection that I think most of us are familiar with. Uh, but one thing I, I want to point out before we move on is multiple times in this chapter, he says this. He says, I, he opened their eyes to understand Right, specifically to understand the scriptures. And so Jesus helped them to see that all the scriptures were pointing to this moment. It wasn't an accident that Jesus ended up here. There weren't mistakes, there wasn't redos. It was all pointing to this from the beginning in Genesis all the way through. It all pointed to this moment of the cross and the resurrection. And there are other things that we know or facts that we believe about the resurrection. One is that, and this is an important one, believe it or not, um, Jesus was really dead, right? He really died on the cross. There are theories that Jesus didn't really die. That's how he was able to appear like he came back to life um, because he wasn't really dead. Um, but he didn't just pass out or faint for a while. He was dead, Right? The water and blood coming out of his side when they pierced his side on the cross was an indication of that. Also, I would say, if he only fainted, he made quite a recovery in two days to be up walking around after everything that they did to him on the cross. Right, With nothing, no wounds, no nothing, that's miraculous in itself. 
right, that he was able to do that after two days. If all of those things happened to us, we would not be walking around after two days um, eating meals with our friends and having a good time, right? That's not what's going to happen. But he was really dead. On the flip side, he was really alive, right? There's a couple of theories here as well. One is that the women went to the wrong tomb. Um, how this one is still existing, I have no idea. But the women didn't go to the wrong tomb. And if they did, um, I'm pretty sure everybody else didn't go to the wrong tomb, right? The solution to this is, hey, we just went to the right one. He was there. Um, but that's not a thing. And so all they had to do for many of these theories is show Jesus' body or produce it, and no one could do that until he was alive. And he was seen afterwards, after the resurrection. There are biblical and extra-biblical accounts of Jesus being seen after the resurrection. Um, We even get the scene right in the middle of him hanging out with the disciples that, hey, just to prove I'm not a ghost, I'll eat some food in front of you, right? Just to prove that he is alive. And so all of these things are true, but the effect of these things is also important because the effects or the aftermath, um, the actions taken by those at the time who experienced these events, those who are most invested, give weight to the facts of the resurrection, Right? These facts or truths that we just talked about from the story and from what we've seen um, launched a movement. These 11 disciples and the others who followed Jesus started a movement that is still going on today. It's 2,000 years old and it's still going. How many other things do you know that have lasted 2,000 years and they're still doing the same thing? Many of the disciples also died for their belief that Jesus was resurrected. And none of them in the midst of that um, were uh, recanted or confessed, hey, we just hid his body, we were pretending that he was alive, and he really wasn't. All of them went to their graves saying the same thing. The other thing it did is it also changed the day of worship. Historically, the Jews worshipped on Saturday. Sorry, I wasn't quite sure how this was going to go. Um, we're going to make it. Sorry about that. Historically, the Jews worshipped on Saturday, but from this point forward, they worshipped on Sunday. Now, can you imagine a church or somebody saying, hey, I think we should change the day we meet for worship. And everybody just going, okay, let's do it, right? Even today, we would have a really hard time explaining and have to have lots of good reasons why we should change from worshiping on Sunday to a different day of the week. There would be lots of questions, lots of meetings, lots of arguments probably, right, about why we should even do this, right? It's worked for hundreds of years. Why should we change it now? But they changed it like it was nothing, like it was no big deal. They just said, yes, of course we're going to worship on Sunday now. Right? So to do that, I think they must have had a significant, unquestionable reason to do that. One that no one could argue with, and it's that Jesus is alive. The question I have for us as we think about the truths of the resurrection is, 
Do we really believe that the resurrection is true? In the story, we saw his followers. They were doubting. They were slow to believe. They reacted with disbelief. Are we like them? Do we really believe them, the truths of the resurrection, on their own? Or are we waiting for some kind of sign to prove that it is really true? And if you're here or you're listening to this, and that's where you are, right, wondering if it's true. Is this really true? I encourage you to do some research, to come and talk to me about it. Sure, I would, you would probably say I'm biased for the resurrection, and that's true. But I'm also pretty honest, and I'm here just to help you on your journey to discover that. So if you're wondering if this is a true thing, please talk to me or someone here to help you out. But if you believe that this is true, then you need to understand what this means for you. So, so next we see, what does the resurrection mean? This is kind of the theological implications of what happens on the cross. So we see that God raised Jesus from the dead, and because of that, he verifies that Jesus was God's son. So God raised Jesus from the dead. This is important for us to understand. We see this truth in Corinthians, in Romans, in Ephesians, in Acts, in Peter. So it's all over the place that God raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't raise himself. And Jesus being raised is important for a couple of reasons. One, if there's no resurrection, then Jesus is crazy. That's the only way to explain it. He repeatedly says throughout his life, I was sent by God. I'm God's son, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one sent by God, I'll be resurrected. And so we'll look back and we can see all of those things in the Gospels, of all these things he claimed about himself. But if he stays dead, none of those things are true. Nobody's going to believe him because he didn't come back the way he said he would come back. None of his claims can be trusted. But God raising Jesus from the dead is also a confirmation of Jesus' identity and ministry. God is saying, this is my son, and his work is sufficient. Right? If Jesus goes around saying he is the son of God, and God has sent him for this mission, but God doesn't raise him from the dead, there's no confirmation. It would take even more faith to believe in Jesus if he doesn't come back to life. The good news for us is God did raise him. So this serves as a confirmation. He's saying, this is my son. I sent him for this purpose. He's completed his mission. And I'm raising him from the dead, right? To complete this purpose of conquering sin and death and coming back to life to rule forever as his son. So this proves that Jesus is God. And then if he is God, he is the perfect Sinless human example and sacrifice. Or he could be the blameless sinner, sinless sacrifice to help us deal with our sin and our separation from God. He was just like us so he could be a sacrifice for us and could show us how to live. He's God's messenger carrying the truth of the gospel. Right? His words and actions have even more significance if he is God's son because he is God revealed in the flesh showing us how to live. And this crucifixion is his suffering on our behalf for our salvation. He is sacrificed for us, for our sins. 
So if God raised Jesus, he's confirming his mission. And if Jesus is God, there are some other things that come into play because of that. One is that death and sin are conquered. Right? When Jesus is resurrected from the grave, it reverses the fall when death and sin entered the world back in the Garden of Eden. It frees us from slavery and sin. We have been held all of our lives because of that. But it also gives us life as we trust in him and believe in that and give our lives over to him. It gives us life, new life, a better life, a fuller life. It also gives us justification. We see this in Romans 4.25. It says he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Right? Raised for our justification. We are declared innocent. There's nothing left to pay. We have no guilt, no liability, no punishment to bear. We are justified and made right in God's sight through Christ. So we've seen all of these things. And the other thing that Christ does on the cross and through the resurrection is to absorb God's wrath that just turned towards sinners. Right, there's a punishment for sin, and throughout Scripture we see that to deal with sin requires the shedding of blood. And Jesus shed his blood for us, taking our punishment so that we could be innocent, so that we could be free. He paid what we could not pay so that we could gain what we couldn't gain on our own. But here's the thing. If there's no resurrection then God is not loving and kind. If he put Jesus through all of that and there's no resurrection, then it's God just punishing people, making him go through hard things and there's no hope at the end, no life, no conquering. It makes God not any different than any other God, but there is a resurrection. And it proves and confirms and shows us that he is loving, he is kind, he is gracious. There is hope. So what we're going to talk about next, right? We've seen truths about the resurrection, we've seen what they mean. But how does that change our daily lives? How are our lives different because of the cross, because of the resurrection, right? Because if the resurrection is this significant, shouldn't it impact our daily lives, how we live on a day-to-day basis? So we're asking, what does the resurrection change? What are the implications of this? And one is that it gives us hope, right? We just sang about that, living hope. Um, it comes, that comes from, that song comes from First Peter 1, It says, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And so we have this living hope. As we look at a broken world, we can have hope that this isn't the way it's supposed to be and that one day all of this will be made right. As we struggle struggle to overcome sin, or temptation, or addiction. We can have hope that their power will be broken and we can overcome. As we grow in Christ, we can have hope that we will be like him one day. And this hope isn't just for this world. Notice it says it's kept in heaven for us, knowing that something greater is after this. 
right? It changes our perspective in this life, knowing there's something to look forward to, right? We don't have to seek to experience all our pleasures and desires here. We don't have to get as much as we can as fast as we can, because what is here is temporary, and it's lesser than what is to come, right? Our hope is built on the picture of what is to come in the future for us that is greater, and that includes, right, eternal life. In 2 Corinthians 4, we see this called out for us. It says, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. Right? Knowing that Jesus is raised from the dead proves that it can be done. People can be brought back to life. Death can and has been conquered. And because of that, we can experience the resurrection as well. We will be raised just as Christ was raised to new life and a new body. The other thing the resurrection does is it gives us direct access to God. When Jesus died on the cross and the curtain was torn in two in the temple, it was a sign of this, that we have direct access to God. And Jesus, as he made his appearances and taught the disciples, he made it clear that access to God was now possible without going through a high priest. Right? That's because the priest was taught and authorized to offer sacrifices for sin to restore the relationship to God. And now, because of Jesus, the once-for-all sacrifice, we no longer needed to go through a priest. We have access through Jesus and the Spirit directly to God. So we need no rituals, no formalities. We can just talk directly to God and hear directly from Him. No intermediary is necessary. It also gives us security. We can rest and trust in Jesus. Once we put our faith and our hope in Christ as we believe in his sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection, we can rest. There's nothing left to earn. There's nothing left to prove. We can trust that Jesus' death and resurrection was sufficient for us. And as we rest in him, we can also live free, right? We can overcome our hurts, the things that have been done to us, our habits, the things that hold us where we are, our desires or our guilt or our shame or whatever it is. We can overcome all of those things because we have freedom in Christ, that those things have been conquered and they no longer have a hold on us as we trust in him. So the things of this world that may weigh other people down, we don't have to experience that. We don't have to be weighed down by those things because we are free of those because of Christ. And as I was kind of thinking about the implications, this one, I, I saw just a phrase that kind of brought this idea into my head, but it, it was a little surprising to me, but it's this. Because of the resurrection, you can take risks for love's sake. Right? Because loving others well doesn't cost us anything. We don't need to get anything back when we love someone or sacrifice for someone or do something for someone or give something to someone. Right? It's not a trade, a back and forth. Well, I'll help you if you can help me with this. That's not what's required. We can help those who have nothing to give in return because we were helped when we had nothing to give in return by Christ. We had nothing to give to him. Nothing to prove we were worthy. Nothing to prove we deserved salvation. But he gave it to us anyway. 
and we can love others enough to share this good news, the good news of the resurrection, which is what we remember this morning. Because there's nothing left to fear. Our eternal life is secure as we trust in him. And so what can mankind do to us? We just saw this in the Psalms that we talked about in the last couple of weeks. Nothing can take our eternal life away if we trust in Christ wholeheartedly. And serving Christ, then, is a freeing life of adventure. Right? Let's live that life to the fullest as those who will one day be raised to be with him, just like Christ, to be with God for all eternity. Right? That's what the resurrection changes. It allows us to be free. It allows us to rest. It gives us security. We can overcome the things of the world through the power that he gives us. It's not just this thing that we talk about once a year, and then we come back next year and we remember it, to kind of mention it as we go. But the resurrection is crucial to understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how it changes everything about what we believe about him and how we live our lives. Will you guys pray with me this morning? God, we come before you on this day where we celebrate your resurrection, that you have come back to life, you have conquered sin and death to be with us, to give us eternal life. So I pray this morning that if there's any who, who haven't yet given their life over to you, who haven't believed these truths, that they would do that and they would come and, and talk to me or to one of us here and let us know so that we can help you on your journey to, to a new life, a fuller life, a greater life. And for those that are here who are already believers, God, we pray that you would help us to see the significance of your resurrection, the, the joy that it brings, the hope that it brings, the security that it brings, the power that it brings, that you can overcome sin and death, and you have done that for us, and so we can do the same. So God, help us to trust in you, to trust in that, and to live life fuller, to love others more, to serve you well, to do things we wouldn't do on our own because your power is with us. So God, help us to share and to demonstrate the love of the resurrection to those around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.